Welcome to the Scale Without Burnout podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Silito. This podcast is a result of my purpose to help ambitious business owners like you avoid stress, overwhelm, and burnout in the workplace. In this podcast, I share everything I've learned about how to grow a profitable business, stay fit and healthy, maintain strong relationships, and develop the right mindset for success. So you can thrive, feel inspired, and work at your full potential. Okay, I'm very excited to have Matt Maruka on the Scale Without Burnout podcast today. Matt is the founder of RA Optics, and he's going to be talking to us today about the importance of sunlight and getting enough sunlight to get into that optimal, healthy way of living and actually look at what some of the challenges might be if we're not getting enough sunlight. Um, So I'm going to bring in Matt, and he's going to talk to us about that. Matt. How's it going? Matt, welcome to I'm so pleased to have you on. I've been following you for for a year, watching you on on, uh, Instagram, and I love your energy. You know, it's contagious, Um, so I'm excited to have you on. So, Matt, just give us a quick overview of how you arrived at talking about the importance of sunlight and developing RA optics and all those sort of things. So, how did that come about? Yeah, like... Like anyone who's super driven to try to be the best version of themselves, when I started having some health issues a couple of years ago, I was completely flummoxed and didn't really know what to do. So I took to the internet. I started reading. Uh, I had or, or I had always taken for granted the things that you know we eat and the things that we do and the lifestyle that we live, and not really considered that that is really shaping our body. But I think it took starting to have, you know, uh, skin problems and starting to, or actually just worsening uh, gut issues or headaches, allergies, you know, the whole nine yards. For me, it was becoming unbearable about almost, it's almost been about seven or eight years now. And so I started to just dive deep, got into the world of diet, you know, and learn about that. And it opened my eyes, like the Mark Sissons of the world, the Brad Kearns, Chris Kresser, Rob Wolf just to how much our diet could not only just heal skin issues, but it could actually heal a lot more than that. Allergies, Mm -hmm. headaches, gut issues, food sensitivities potentially. And so that was just a great um, entry into the health world. But I started researching more because again, like many entrepreneurs who might be listening to this, I wasn't satisfied with just hitting a certain um, achievement and then stopping there, you know, I realized, oh, there must be so much more that I don't know. And so as I kept researching, as you've probably seen, since you've listened to, you know, some of my podcasts that I've appeared on, I just started learning about the mitochondria, our cellular engines in our body that power us and basically that process the food we're consuming. So it wasn't just about the fuel, which is where I had started. It was becoming more and more about the engines themselves that process the fuel and that our environment that we live in actually controls those engines and how well they function in order to process the fuel properly. Mm -hmm. So when I learned about that, I realized, wow, there's so much more to this that I had never, ever considered. And no one really considers that, or very few people, I should say, consider that our environment beyond our diet, exercise, maybe sleep and supplementation actually has as much or potentially more of an impact on our body than the food and the fuel we're consuming because the environment and specifically our light exposure actually controls how well we can utilize that fuel. So that's what just got me super interested in in moving this whole ball forward and learning more. Nice. Um, So there are a few things that I'd like to just pick out because um, you you mentioned some names there. So you mentioned Mark Sisson, Brad Kearns, Chris Kresser, and... um, Someone else you mentioned, Rob Wolf. Now they are very closely aligned with ancestral health. Is that is that fair to say? So you oh, you've yeah. kind of tapped into that 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 world. So I'm interested to kind of explore that because you you you're also making a distinction between it's not just the fuel, it's also the environment that we're in, and that's um, how that can yeah. help. Yeah, go on. Absolutely, I would say you're right. They're they're aligned with ancestral health to the extent that they're aware of maybe would be the best way to put it. They're more focused on ancestral eating. They're not really focused on ancestral living. That's what is is espoused, but in reality, they're just talking about what you eat and how you exercise, how you move. Only more recently have some of them begun to speak about 
the tremendous benefits of sunlight exposure, uh, the importance of our body's circadian rhythms, and about the tremendous risks, uh, and, and very little on this subject, but of artificial light exposure, which actually completely dysregulates our circadian rhythm, which effectively you could think of like eating cheesecakes at midnight every single night. You know, it really is that significant because when we dysregulate this essential rhythm that controls so many processes in our body, it's again, one could compare it to eating really bad processed carbohydrates late at night based on the effect that it has on our sleep quality and the effect that it has on our brain function. But it's so, it's so seemingly harmless to most people. So no one would think, oh, I'm looking at my phone before bed. That's completely suppressing my melatonin, destroying the uh, natural repair of my mitochondria and my overall cells and my organs and tissues, which is going to leave me tired, uh, maybe anxious or depressed, maybe lacking energy, lower cognitive function, lowered productivity the next day. No one thinks that when they're looking at their phone at night, but that's exactly what's happening. Okay. So let, let me just stop you there then, because for the people that are listening in, watching this, typically business owners, entrepreneurs, ambitious people who want to be optimal, they don't want to be tired the next day. They don't want to be feeling anxious. And what I'm hearing you say is for those that maybe think they're being really productive at, at the evening because they're finishing off the day, you know, dealing with their emails and um, actually could be less productive if, if they don't be, t if they don't take this, a little bit more seriously. Yeah. You know, everyone's familiar with the Pareto principle, the 80, 20 rule, you know, and obviously there's many cases in life where there's even it's more skewed than 80, 20, where maybe you get 95% of your results from just 5% of your inputs. And one of these items in the, in the 80, 20 category would be getting good sleep and having higher level brain function and maybe even higher level of consciousness and awareness. So you might get a couple extra hours of work done late at night, but if you're staying up late, you're looking at an artificially you know, lit screen and that's disrupting the circadian rhythm, the body's natural production of melatonin and our natural sleep and repair. That's actually really damaging the ability of the brain and the body to repair itself to function optimally the following day. So you might think you got an extra two or three hours of work done and you, you very well could have, but at what cost, you know, at the cost of, mm. well, your optimal brain function and productivity, not just tomorrow, but for your entire life, if you do this on a regular basis. So imagine if you were, you know, and this is theoretical in some sense, but if someone's just functioning at even just 10% better in their brain or 25, I often find that, you know, from my experience, this is the numbers are significantly higher. Again, from a theoretical standpoint, people are not just feeling 10% better, they're feeling twice as good as they did before um, from an energy standpoint, a clarity standpoint, cognitive function standpoint. So it's just a matter of, of evaluating, like you get three extra hours of work done or two extra hours of work done or five extra hours of work done, but on a consistent basis, your brain isn't functioning as well. And, and the brain is like a supercomputer itself. So are you really getting closer to the things you want to achieve, like health, energy, vitality? Because that's what everyone's after anyway, is feeling feeling good. You know, you're going to buy the yacht and you're going to buy the big house and buy the car and have the beautiful girlfriend, like for what? So that you can feel good. And yet you're staying up late every night, destroying your brain's reward circuits uh, in your dopamine production and everything by destroying our circadian rhythm and sleep and whatnot. So it's like you're actively destroying what you're trying to achieve on a daily basis. That's sort of a simple way to put it, but I've, I've yeah. never really looked at it that way necessarily until um, you're asking the question towards entrepreneurs like this. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And um, yeah. so there's a couple, a couple of things there that I'd, I'd want to go back a little bit because you mentioned paleo and for the people that are listening to this and they kind of heard of paleo or maybe they heard people talking about a CrossFit or something, but there's something that you're talking about, which is linked to gut health and the relationship. So if we could put people that may be doing paleo because they want to lose some weight, get leaner, et cetera, and just park all that and talk about the impact of gut health. And then I'd like to just explore this other idea that you you know, you know talk about around sunlight, et cetera. And then I'd like to talk about mitochondria because I think it'd be worth people understanding its role uh, and how it impacts health. So can you just tell us your experience of how you improved your gut health and how that ultimately improved your mindset? Yeah, well, so it's actually something I don't speak about as much in general because it's it's more of the food focus, the gut mm -hmm. focus. But 
essentially what I came to understand from my own research and my own self-experimentation is that, you know, there's so many people in the world trying to heal their guts by eating a cleaner diet and taking probiotic supplements and maybe taking a bunch of herbs uh, and other supplements to kind of re-regulate the gut and, and clean out the bacteria. Now, the interesting thing is there's quite a bit of data that's been, uh, you know, that's come out, quite a bit of research that's been done showing that our gut health isn't just controlled by the food we're consuming, the things we're exposed to and so on, but actually that light, the, the light that we're exposed to, in particular sunlight, uh, and our body's natural circadian rhythm actually has a really big impact on our gut health. So I'm not a specific expert in this area of how light affects gut health, but I know more than the average Joe, you know, being in the, in the field. And essentially it's, it's fascinating research. There's a guy actually named, let's see, his name is, I want to say, I'll, I'll get it to you so we can get it in the show notes anyway. I'm totally blanking, mm-hmm. but he's, he went out and actually interviewed the Hazda people in Africa because he was doing studies on gut health and found that he could feed them antibiotics, Coca-Cola, refined processed food, all the stuff that in the Western paradigm, the ancestral paradigm, they would say would destroy your gut health. And their guts were actually just almost invincible. And he came to kind of conclude that, well, he, he didn't necessarily conclude this, but there's some other researchers who have some uh, very good evaluations of this, and I'll, I'll give you this data to to link to right. for people to watch the the lectures and whatnot. But that it w- it's the fact that they're chronically exposed to equatorial sunlight that actually allows their body's immune system to work better, so it can better select against the bad gut bacteria and keep the good gut bacteria. Essentially, that's the the basic the basic point there. So. Mm-hmm. When we're exposed to sunlight, the, the point here for someone who's on an ancestral diet or an ancestral approach to heal their health is if you if you live in a really um, toxic lifestyle, you're indoors all day, you're never getting out in the sun, you're never getting out into nature, and you're eating, you could be eating all the probiotics in the world, uh, taking the you know the healthiest supplements ever, and your gut might not heal. You know the gut's supposed to turn over basically every 48 hours or somewhere in that range. And that is obviously only going to happen if our body's circadian rhythm functions normally. So if you're chronically disrupting your your circadian rhythm with artificial light exposure at night and not getting exposure to sunlight during the day, the gut cells aren't going to be able to necessarily turn over with the proper speed and, you know, efficiency that they are designed to. And so that's one simple explanation and Mm -hmm. angle of how sunlight and our light exposure drives our gut health and could potentially be even more impactful than all the food and the supplements that people are trying to take on a regular basis, which for many people, myself included, don't necessarily work all the way because it is not a complete premise that, that it's based on this knowledge. Yeah. It's so interesting. And I'm thinking, I'm just thinking about my lifestyle for a period of time when, you know, I thought I was so healthy because I was, I was in the CrossFit box every morning. So I was doing the 6 a.m. wad and it was dark. I'd come out, still dark, straight home, straight on the train, train to, to London. And then I'd be coming home when it's dark, but seemingly thinking I was fit, healthy, eating well. But without, if I'm not getting enough of that, that exposure, and if the environment's toxic, like you say, then it's all wasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, Is that what I'm hearing? It's not necessarily all wasted because, you know, you're putting in an effort and, I'm a big fan of people like Joe Dispenza. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if you're familiar with him, but the power of our mindset. So if you believe that you're doing yourself a favor and you're stoked about that, I mean, honestly, that's worth a lot. And that's something that a lot of the people who I've been reading from in the paleo world and even in the the light world, and there's not so many in the light and mitochondrial world. There's a few people I'll specifically mention, but they don't necessarily talk about the power of the mind, you know, because again, they're understandably so they're focused on a message they're focused on explaining that if you don't get any sunlight you can have serious health problems if you chronically are under artificial light you can have health problems another thing that's totally taboo but if you're chronically exposed to wireless radiation from devices used for communication there's quite a lot of evidence very inconvenient for the modern world that this is very disruptive to our cellular functioning and so that's the message some of these people are trying to portray so i understand that they're they're not going to 
tell people that just by having a positive mindset, you can undo the effects of always being indoors and, you know, never going outside. But nonetheless, uh, I just to your point, I wouldn't say it undoes. It invalidates all the work you were doing. But yes, um, if you are waking up that early and not getting any sunlight and driving your body really hard, it is for sure a stress, a huge stress on the body to not have gotten a little bit of natural light exposure, you know, to signal our brain and our hormones and neurotransmitters to all really kick on for the day and yet to be pounding the body and demanding so much of it at that early hour, I certainly wouldn't recommend hard working out, um, you know, well before light. But then again, you know, there's Navy SEALs and professional athletes, they, you know, and, and warriors who march all night and train. It's like, and they live really long too. So it's not like necessarily a, a one size fits all approach. It's just, there's some general data, good data indicating that being in line with a healthy circadian rhythm is really good for the body. That's the best way yeah. to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have to say that from a, from a health perspective, I think that's been the biggest game changer for me is getting, getting that alignment right. Rather than pushing myself and thinking I have to get up early and push my body or, you know, whatever it is, but just, just actually finding that less is more just slowing life down a little bit. Um, and just being more intuitive, I think has, has been, the biggest game shaver rather than thing I've got to follow this process all the time, you know, day in, day out. Um, let's, let's get to some practical tips then, because we've, we've kind of highlighted the problem, you know, and, the, and if people carry on with that type of lifestyle, but clearly there are some things that we can do um, in what you described as an inconvenient modern lifestyle. And I like that phrase because it is inconvenient, isn't it? We've got all this stuff to use around us and then we depend on it. To a certain extent, me so too. What, what can we do? What what tips do you have for for business owners, ambitious people out there that want to make some changes? Yeah, I have a lot, so I'll just I'll throw one more thing in because there I know there's going to be a few people saying, well, they talked about it, but it didn't really quite explain the science. Um, so the key the key takeaway here before we get into the practical tips is that our eye has two functions, one which everyone's familiar with and the other which almost no one's familiar with. So the first is obviously the camera. We see mm -hmm. things just like we see things with the camera and it creates images in our, in, you know, the visual cortex in the brain and that's all great. Um, that's the newer function of the eye. The original function of the eye based on the data was to be a clock. So a timekeeper of cues in the external environment you know, especially when we were much more simple organisms that didn't necessarily need to see so much as we do now, but just it was a basic sensor of the environment. And in particular, the primary change in the environment on, in a, on a regular basis is the change from day to night, right? So the better an organism can adapt to consistent changes in the environment, the higher rate of survivability that species is going to have. And so as a result, we see that every single organism alive today has a circadian rhythm because it's a simple adaptation to be able to time our functions to the external changes. So for example, like there's a few animals, there are several species actually that are nocturnal, but their level of complexity is limited because they're not able to harvest basically the available energy from the sun. They fit a certain niche of being awake at night and getting the available energy there. We and most animals that I'm aware of are diurnal, meaning we're awake during the day. So the better we can be uh, synced up with this, like you said, you know, there's this old quote, early to bed and early to rise makes any man healthy, wealthy and wise. I believe that's Benjamin Franklin. When we get synced up to our circadian rhythm, biologically, we're going to function better. But also, we're going to function better mentally, physically, cognitively. So the key, the, again, this key takeaway is that since we created artificial lights, man made lights, um, electric light bulbs and electric lighting screen devices. We have introduced blue light from a source that was, I should say it was only ever available from the sun. So the, the light that controls this clock is the blue wavelengths in particular, mm -hmm. this clock function in the eye. And they've actually discovered a new kind of photoreceptor in addition to the rods and cones that everyone knows about for color vision. The third one's called intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglion cells. They haven't really come up with a nice short description of it yet. Um, but anyway, the pigment's called melanopsin. And this pigment specifically receives blue light to set our clock, to set our body's functions. So when we're exposed to uh, artificial light all day long, it's actually disrupting a whole host of hormonal 
energetic, metabolic, um, and circadian rhythm related items in the, in the brain and in the body, you know, that part of the eye doesn't go to the visual centers. It actually goes directly to the hypothalamus, which is the master regulator of our entire body and our metabolism in particular. So that's really for anyone who wants the science, that's the deal. And you can easily, anyone can easily research this stuff. We'll, we'll have links in the show notes as well. Uh, if, if there are show notes. So anyway, yeah. to get into the practical, what can you do? Cause I obviously there's no reason to be afraid. The, the simplest thing that people can start to do to optimize their cognitive function based on this information is one, not worry, but you know, have a positive mindset. But first and foremost, just start going outside. It's really that simple. Like we have evolved for such a long time in natural sunlight. It does power a whole host of functions in addition to just vitamin D, which more and more people are becoming familiar with. It powers our circadian rhythm. It powers proper energy generation in our cells and in our mitochondria specifically. So if we can go outdoors more, we can start to really thrive more as individuals. And that's a simple explanation. If we want to get more into the science, we can, but that's the best way to put it. Start going outdoors more. Secondly, get blue light protection glasses. You know, that's why I started a company making these because it's such an important thing based on the research. Even Harvard has articles mentioning them but it's so under focused on and the main companies making these blue light protection glasses, Warby Parker, I buy direct and Zenny optical, the three online glasses giants that added the blue light filter option. It's all a complete scam. And I, I can back this up. Um, in order to have an effect, we need to block the light that's actually emitted by our devices, which is around 450 nanometers in the blue light range. The, light that they block only goes up to 420 nanometers, which is found in the sun, but isn't present from an LED light or a screen device. Mm -hmm. So the reason they do that is because their goal is to have completely clear lenses. And the only way you can have a clear lens with, you know, the physics of light, when you remove a significant portion of what is passing through a lens, the lens changes color. The only reason a lens is clear is because it transmits everything unfiltered. So effectively everything that we can visually see. So these large giants, basically the point is anyone who's selling clear lens blue blockers is selling something that's not scientifically effective, not going to actually block any of the meaningful wavelength. So that's the key is protect yourself from artificial light exposure. If you have to sit inside an office all day on a screen or even stay up late at night and you can't just work outside or work out on your deck like me, I'm either sitting right next to the window with the window open or actually out on the deck working in the direct sun or in the shade. Either way is better than being indoors behind windows because windows too filter out a lot of the healing red and infrared wavelengths from the sun that you've probably heard about with red and infrared saunas and red light therapy. So that's kind of the basic takeaway that everyone can start to- yeah, Simple activities, but it, it sounds simple. But for many people, it's not that easy because they are, you know, grabbing their lunch. They're not actually really even getting, sometimes not even getting outside because they got the, the office canteen, well, before lockdown anyway. Um, maybe during lockdown, people have been exposed more because they're actually spending more time outside uh, and not in the office with artificial light. Um, there's a question that came through that I'd like to share what, what, from Ben Cosby, which is what would you say is the, the minimum effective dose of sunlight exposure? I love that question. That's a really good one. So I would say the, the researchers I've spoke with who are the true experts who I've learned from here in this space, I'm more of like sharing their, their hard work and decades of this research that really no one in the mainstream is kind of, you know, showing, um, one, one researcher named Dr. Alexander Wunsch, who's based in Germany said that two hours in his mind, two hours minimum of unfiltered sunlight exposure is necessary for optimal health. And that doesn't necessarily mean on your skin as well, although that's also beneficial if you can actually get out and get a little tan going on um, without burning. But the key is the eye. That's why I've kind of mentioned the eye and the clock function. The eye doesn't just receive visual signals as we've described, but we can actually, we receive the energy from the sun that our brain uses to power, or I should say, to help 
catalyze certain reactions. Like any reaction in biology, when it has more energy to proceed, it happens more quickly. The rate of reaction is increased. And sunlight is effectively for biology, just like for plants, a completely free source of energy that helps increase the rate of every reaction. It does the same in our body. And actually almost every organic molecule, if you if you look at it, they actually all have specific absor absorption spectra of different wavelength components of sunlight. So um, one could argue based on the available evidence that every single process in our entire body, every single reaction, every single detoxing pathway, every single hormone production system, every single repair and growth and sexual uh, you know, organ function is all optimized by sunlight. There are actually studies, you're probably familiar with someone like Ben Greenfield, who's a good friend of mine, but there's good studies showing that red light on the on our testicles actually can increase testosterone production by 200 plus percent. So that's pretty significant um, just from light. And it makes sense when you understand that light is effectively free energy that our body can utilize to actually optimize a whole host of processes. So two hours a day minimum exposure on the eye, which could be as simple as just having the door, the window or the door open and working next to it, taking an hour walk and then you know, um, but the key is if you have a door or a window or a sliding door, like I have in front of me, keep the door open. The screen can be closed, but the glass is what filters out the full spectrum, the red and the infrared. So that's minimum effective dose, two hours a day. Now, if you only can get like 15 minutes as opposed to nothing, it's obviously going to be better than nothing. Yeah, mm -hmm. two hours per day, unfiltered light exposure, at least on the eye, I would say is minimum effective dose. And if you can get it, especially in the summer, 15 to 30 minutes uh, at least once, but ideally twice a day with a little bit of sunbathing is also really great. That has huge benefits on our blood pressure because sunbathing actually causes our blood vessels to release something called nitric oxide, which dilates the blood vessels, naturally mm -hmm. allowing our blood to flow more freely throughout our entire body and reducing our blood, blood pressure just as a result of the physics of expanding the vessels. Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about circadian rhythm and just how people might prepare themselves to align themselves with that, uh, particularly the kind of process of, of um, bedtime. You know, you've talked about stimulating melatonin and how blue light um, suppresses that. So can you just elaborate on that and what an ideal setting would be for someone? Should it be completely blacked out or, you know, that, that kind of thing? Yeah, it's really, it's a great question. So from my experience and the, and the evidence is that sleep actually starts in the morning. And what I mean by that is that when we wake up first thing in the morning, what we do for the next multiple hours, in my experience, has as much of an impact or potentially even more of an impact on our sleep than what we do in the evening. And that might seem obscure. What I mean by that is that that morning sunlight exposure not only just sets our circadian rhythm, which is a 24 hour cycle for the rest of the day. So just that alone, if we're getting up and we're not getting out and getting light on our eyes until nine or 10 o'clock, as opposed to five or six or seven o'clock, whenever the light is first inclining, our circadian rhythm is potentially already going to be lagged out a little bit. And so it might be a little harder to fall asleep um, because of not having that exposure to the proper stimulus in the morning. The more important factor here is that exposure to ultraviolet light, there's, there's evidence that is, uh, showing, or I should say the research is pretty clear that ultraviolet light exposure helps to stimulate the production of key hormones and neurotransmitters such as serotonin and mm -hmm. serotonin becomes converted into melatonin, which is our molecule of sleep. So the key metric here is that morning sunlight exposure actually helps our body to naturally create our melatonin stores. And then what we do in the evening, which would is what I'd like to get into, that would include, you know, turning off screen devices two to three hours before bed, ideally at least two. And even if you, uh, well, yeah, using blue light blocking glasses, and I would say, even if you're using blue light blocking glasses, still don't use the screens in the evening because it's still a lot more stimulating that light. It's a lot more stimulating uh, on the brain and straining on the eyes than, for example, using a candle or a little, I use a, like a red light um, camping headlight because it's just a pure red light, which doesn't 
uh, it hardly uh, impacts our body's circadian rhythm at all. So just reading with that or reading by candlelight or reading with a dim, warm light, that's much more soothing than looking at a screen plus, you know, the psychological effect of actually working late into the evening. So to me, that's the ideal routine is once the sun goes down, put on your blue light blocking glasses anytime you're exposed to artificial light, unless it's just a red light or a, or a warm Edison bulb, incandescent Edison bulb. Those have very little blue light. Candles are okay because they have almost no blue light. And that's the best way to start. And then again, if you are still using screens after it gets dark, after the sun goes down, because especially in the winter, I would say minimum two hours before bed, although I don't always practice what I'm preaching here, but in general, minimum two hours before bed, absolutely one hour before bed, completely have the screens off, but still wear your glasses when you're using them up until that point. And if you have to do color sensitive work where you can't block the blue light, just do not do it during the evening, do it during the day, because otherwise you are intentionally disrupting your circadian rhythm. And for some people, this might be inconvenient. They do their photo or video editing and late in the evening. It's like, but that's a huge, huge issue for the brain and the body, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We lost you there a little bit, but, um, but I, I think what was going through my mind there was all the graphic designers that sit there literally going from, from their laptop, from work to bed. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a reality from, from many people. Yeah. I hope you heard me because that's exactly what I said is if someone's oh, okay. doing color video editing yeah. or color photo editing, yeah. that's the one, one of the few professions where you couldn't use blue blocking glasses at night because yeah. you're going to block all the blue and, and the green with our night lenses so that you get mm -hmm. really tired. So yeah, those professions just do it during the day. And if you can't do it during the day, you're making a huge trade-off for your health. Same with night shift workers. <clears throat> that is a huge trade-off for health. You know, it's kind of like, uh, it, it'd be kind of like saying, you know, people ask, how can I be a night shift worker and still be really, really optimally healthy to me? And I'm not exaggerating at all. It'd be like saying, I work in a factory where we make dioxin agent orange and, um, and I'm exposed to it all the time. I'd like to be as healthy as possible. It's like, well, you should quit your job if you want to be as healthy as possible. But if you want to do the best you possibly can while chronically being exposed to a toxin, um, which artificial light at night for a diurnal animal is effectively a toxin, um, then there's not too much you can do about it besides leave. And then the other stuff is just when you're not working there, mitigate as hard as possible by sleeping better and having better sleeping habits by getting sunlight exposure in reasonable doses throughout the day to build up your vitamin D and your natural immune, uh, immune function, mitochondrial mm -hmm. energy production and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, it was that was one of the questions that came through about limiting factors due to shift patterns uh, and what you'd recommend for that blue light. And you've talked about that. Um, but actually, what what I'm hearing is quit the job. <laughs> identify identify it for what it is, which is toxic, and then yeah. decide whether you're willing to make that trade off. If you love being a night shift nurse as much as you know your own health and longevity, then mm -hmm. definitely do it. But you really. Again, and, and I don't want to make these like blanket statements because I imagine there have been people who work night shifts, although the data doesn't really support this, but people who work night shifts who have lived long and healthy lives, there could be that they have a tremendously positive emotional disposition and very little stress mm -hmm. in their life. And they happen to be raised in such a healthy place that they came in with such a strong yeah, contributing factors. You get the point. Yeah. There's, but in general, the data is very clear. Night shift workers have nearly, or, or sometimes even more than double the risk of almost every chronic disease from heart disease to cancer to, you know, the, the data is actually kind of scary. And so that's why I just recommend become familiar with the risk and then make decisions from that place of, of genuine knowledge and understanding and not fear, but just, mm -hmm. you know, understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That, that was really interesting. So I'd, I'd like to just build on the, on the sleep thing as well. So when you, how you set your room up. So I'll give a personal example. Um, we don't have curtains in our, in our room, moved into a new apartment and we just haven't got around to it. Right. So I go to the bed at the same time, pretty much every night. Uh, but at my, I wake up at different times, depending on when the sunlight comes in. So sunlight comes in and it wakes me up. Sometimes it wakes me up at five, sometimes four thirty. Sometimes I might sleep through till seven quite comfortably. What's your, what's your advice on that? Yeah, as far as the bedroom setup. So I actually personally go back and forth on that one because 
I always want the light to wake me up in the morning and you're doing it right by, you know, letting that happen. And, you know, some people I've learned from uh, one guy in particular, Dr. Jack Cruz, he's a really genius neurosurgeon and a blogger who was kind of dabbling in the paleo world. That's how I, how, how I learned about him. He was one of the main speakers at the first paleo FX event with Sisson and Wolf and Cresser and all those guys. And he specifically says of all the hacks that you can do, the most powerful is getting up every morning and watching the sunrise. So that's because that actual vi- view into the sun when it's hasn't quite gotten very strong yet, you know, when it's very orange or yellow or even red, sometimes that exposure that we're, and that's a time we can actually look directly at the sun that sets the circadian rhythm almost more powerfully than anything else, especially because there's an increase in the blue light component of the sun so much at that early hour that it really is like a boom. Your brain can't miss that signal. You know, whereas if you go out later in the day, your brain is kind of, it's a little harder to tell um, what time of the day it is, if that makes sense. Cause the light, once it gets past the first 30 or uh, 30 to 60 minutes of rising, it's color components in particular, the blue light doesn't really change very significantly again until sunset. The ultraviolet component increases, but the ultraviolet isn't the component that sets the circadian rhythm. So the getting the circadian, uh, getting the sunrise is actually, I would say one of the most beneficial things people can do. It's even been touted, you know, and some people might find this as woo woo, but in ancient India, they practice something called sun gazing, which Mm -hmm. has been, you know, for those who are open to the Ayurvedic, more traditional, like traditional Chinese medicine type of practices. And it really benefits the body in so many ways by setting the circadian rhythm. And also, um, again, by stimulating our pineal gland, which is the place where we make melatonin, but also Mm -hmm. some people call it the seat of the soul or the third eye. So for Mm -hmm. people who are interested in that kind of spirituality, consciousness side of things, sun gazing is a very renowned practice. So anyway, that's something that even this Western neurosurgeon is so adamant about because of the data of how that is so important for our brain and our circadian rhythm. Anyway, so towards your question, I would rather have the light coming in in the morning. But if you live somewhere that you have tons of street lights at night, it is probably better to just black it out. Maybe you have to use an alarm in the morning to, you know, wake yourself up so that you can get out for the sunrise. But after a little while of doing that and dialing in your sleep and getting to bed early enough in particular, it's general. I think that people will find that they will fall into the circadian rhythm, especially if they're wearing their blue light blocking glasses at night that they'll start to wake up around that same time every day around when the sun comes up. So, you know, the best invention that I'm not sure if it's made yet would be like, and this is something I'd love to do if I wasn't focusing on the glasses, but like uh, window blinds, window shades that would open up automatically around the time of the sunrise. You know, you could preset them with a clock. That must exist. That must it must exist. exist. You're right. But anyway, that would be really good too. So that you can yeah. both get the, the darkness at night and the light coming in in the morning, which is really what our body's looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And and what's your view on, on sunscreen? Yeah. Um, so sunscreen, I think, is a flawed concept. It sounds a bit strange, but let me explain. So the whole premise behind sunscreen is that the sun is toxic and needs to be screened or blocked. And if my premise after having, and I grew up as someone who always was wearing sunscreen, you know, I listened to my parents' advice. I just totally bought into it. And until I actually did some research and some thinking for myself, I actually was pushing my friends. I was like, you guys got to wear sunscreen. You know, you're, you're going to get skin cancer if you don't. I wasn't thinking for myself, of course, at the time. After learning more, it became undeniably clear to me that sunlight is the deriving force of all life on earth and of all biological evolution and of all biological complexity. So the premise that the sun is somehow bad for us is entirely flawed at its core. That's the best way to put it. The sun, there is no such thing as a human brain and human cognition without solar light powering it, just to be clear. So the premises is wholly flawed at the deepest, deepest level. Now, we can talk a little bit about um, when the beliefs started to come about. It was the 30s, 40s, and 50s. There were researchers trying to understand why certain pe- you know, why people were starting to get skin cancer, especially as, again, people don't know this today, but the, 20, the, the 
after World War II, uh, World War One, I, I should say, in the U.S., sunbathing was like a huge, very popular trend in pop culture. Um, you know, the the females uh, bathing gowns or bathing suits were getting slightly more liberal, and males too. But um, people were sunbathing a lot, and so people were also getting some skin cancer, maybe because they were overdoing it, which absolutely can be done, and that can lead to skin cancer. And so the researchers were trying to figure out what was it that was causing skin cancer. And they would take ultraviolet lights and irradiate rats, which are actually a nocturnal animal, not even really designed to be exposed to a ton of sunlight, but rats and uh, gorillas, or I should say like chimpanzees, different types of primates with ridiculous amounts of ultraviolet light isolated from a man-made bulb. So not the same as sunlight, not... um, composed of the same spectrum, including the healing red and infrared light, which can balance and potentially offset some of the more damaging high risks of the high energy ultraviolet light. But anyway, sure enough, from this abusive exposure to these uh, on these animals, they did find that they this ex- excessive amount of ultraviolet light caused these cancers. And so that became the, the theory. And the same thing was when they were using certain lights that did contain ultraviolet and shining them in babies' eyes to try to get rid of jaundice, they would actually develop some sort of, you know, um, macular degeneration or cataracts of some kind. And so they said, oh, sunlight, ultraviolet must cause that. So we've got to wear sunglasses too, not just sunscreen. And so these premises all come from flawed uh, poorly conducted in my mind, at least experiments where they weren't using natural full spectrum sunlight as a control. They were using artificial man-made lighting that was very different from the composition of the sun. So now we can further evaluate the real life data and not just some studies. Um, you know, we can see that since people have started exposing ourselves to less sunlight, living a more indoor lifestyle, um, wearing sunglasses and and so on skin cancer rates and rates of cataracts and macular degeneration all things attributed to sun exposure have actually all increased more than double actually probably more than uh tenfold so it it begs the question like is it really the sun that's causing these issues because the recent data from the u.s government shows that the average American spends 92% of their time indoors. It's about 6% in the car and 86% in an actual building behind windows. So it's like, if the sun caused skin cancer, shouldn't the rates be lower than ever since we moved to an indoor lifestyle, whereas they're actually higher than they've ever been? So that's kind of like one of the key things to get the inquisitive mind going a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, could it could it be that people are getting their two weeks vacation and then they just take advantage that are in the sun and then the bodies aren't used to it. Is that that's exactly what that's effectively, that's exactly what it is. So, you know, people with light skin have higher rates of skin cancer. There's no, uh, there's no question about that. And so it does imply that something that people with lighter skin are doing is potentially triggering, you know, make it's turning the sun from something that's life giving into something that triggers a disease such as a skin cancer or something like that. Now, again, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, saying, you know, my, it, in, in, a, in a way, I'm coming up with an analogy here. It's like, if I were to say that my mother who, because she gave me, like my mother gave me life, right? Um, it'd be like kind of blaming, you know, saying that the sun is, is entirely bad for us. It would kind of be like me blaming my mother for all of the problems that I have in my life. Like it doesn't really logically follow, you know, she gave, she actually gave us, she gave me life. So she's kind of in some sense responsible for everything that happens in a way at the core. Right. But um, just because I have some other problems that I've created for myself, doesn't mean she's responsible in it. And the way that relates to what we're talking about here with the sun is that, you know, the sun is actually at the end of the day, responsible for all of our life, you know, the good and the bad in many ways. And many would say God is, is the ultimate, you know, and the sun is like one of God's ways of doing it, but that's, or the universe, it's all, all similar in my mind. But when we go ahead and say the sun causes skin cancer, it's like, well, the sun also caused the evolution of the eye and the skin. So we're really getting into, into messy territory. So the answer, the answer to your question is yes. Um, people who are like the weekend warriors who go out and just get fried and then go back into their desk job all day, their body isn't producing melanin. 
to protect from excess damaging sun. I'm not advocating by any means to go out. Like it's strong sun. I'm in San Diego right now. I'm not in the sun for more than probably a couple hours tops a day. And I'm more focused on the early morning and the late afternoon because that's when there's more of the healing red and infrared light and less mm -hmm. of the slightly more damaging ultraviolet. Again, the ultraviolet's damaging and a little more high energy, quite a bit more high energy than red and infrared. But for us, it's still necessary to get some. So I'll go out midday for 15 to 20 or 30 minutes at this time of year, maybe 15 on the front, 15 on the back, or even 10 on the front, 10 on the back, because it's really hot and strong. And I'll get my vitamin D and all the benefits of ultraviolet. But the real magic is the late afternoon and the early morning when it's just more warm light with less ultraviolet. Um, and you can feel it. So anyway, uh, another key thing. And that's really interesting. And I think it's good advice because particularly, and I'm from the UK, so we don't get a lot of sun, right? So you'll see the Brits on going on holiday in Spain and they'll be there from nine in the morning until seven o'clock at night, like all day, getting their, their fix, getting our fix. But you'll see the locals come out much later, right? They come out at four or five, six o'clock in the evening to enjoy the last bit of the sun. And I think there's, mm -hmm. there's something to be said in that. Yeah, it is. I mean, again, I don't, I wouldn't say like, if you're a Brit and you go down to Spain to get sun, I wouldn't necessarily say stay in the shade all day either, you know, cause it is really good to charge up. I actually mm -hmm. seek to get my skin pink. You know, I know that when I've gotten my skin pink is when I'm truly charging up effectively because the blood is actually coming to the surface to assimilate light. That's actually why the skin gets pink. Now, if you mm -hmm. overdo it, then the skin stays pink because the blood's trying to dissipate excess heat and you actually damage the skin itself, which is the sunburn air yeah. uh, aspect. But again, our body is designed to make like, so to answer your question about sunscreen a little more concisely, we have the best natural sunscreen ever in our body. It's called melanin and our body, our brain stimulates it just like pretty much everything else, but our body makes it in response to ultraviolet light. So if you build up your exposure so uh, slowly, like if you're a Brit and you go to Spain in the winter or the summer or whenever for a week vacation, take those first two or three days, get five, 10, 15 minutes on each side of your body, maybe spaced out throughout the day because your body can heal. It's mostly when you get a really strong exposure, really prolonged, especially in the middle of the day, because the higher the sun goes in the sky, the less atmosphere is filtering mm. out the ultraviolet. And that's why we burn. People say, if you, if you can't see your shadow, you're at risk for burning. That's just because the sun's higher in the sky. The higher mm. its angle is, the, the worse the risk. But the point is, you just build up that uh, tan the first two or three days which is the same as our melanin levels in the skin. And then you'll be able to assimilate that light more effectively throughout the rest of the vacation because melanin actually takes ultraviolet and turns it into infrared light, which is much more healing. So if you have a great tan, you can sit out in the middle of the day for at least a while. Again, you don't want to overdo it. When your body says, I'm hot, go in the shade or go in the water, you want to listen. But that's the key. The other key is not wearing sunglasses because the transmission of ultraviolet light through the eye stimulates melanocyte stimulating hormone, which is this hormone that stimulates the production of the melanocytes, which make melanin. So if you're wearing sunglasses, you're asking for skin cancer because you're going to destroy your uh, body's ability to make its own protection systems for sunscreen uh, or for protection against the sun. And so again, one other thing, man-made sunscreen, usually full of toxic chemicals, or I should say chemicals that maybe aren't toxic, but once they're irradiated by ultraviolet light, they're nowhere near as effective as melanin at dissipating the ultraviolet light into infrared. So a large portion of them becomes extremely oxidized and damaged, and all of that's absorbing into our bloodstream via our skin. So I highly, highly recommend against ever wearing any form of sunscreen except non-nano zinc oxide, since I'm a surfer. I'll use non-nano, meaning it doesn't absorb through the skin's pores and put that all over my face. The drawback, it doesn't look good because your face is white because it's not absorbing. So you actually have to wipe it off when you're done. Right. Um, but right. the best is also physical protection, like a hat. Like if I get too much sun, I'll put on this flannel in the middle of the day if I have to be out. You know, People who, who work on boats or who work on farms and get chronic XX exposure to midday sun, they will look like leather you know, because they've gotten too much for too long. Yeah. So you've got to be, find that right dose. We're not meant to be out all day, but we're also, we need quite a bit. And most people in the modern world too, last thought here, most people in the modern world need quite a lot of sun because they've been deficient for their whole life. So you got to figure out how to get that, that uh, tan built up and get your exposure. And if you're a red haired Irish person who just can't tan, you don't need as much sun because your body assimilates it so well. So just get little doses here and there and you'll be good. 
Yeah, well, you might have heard uh, my kids in the background there banging on the door. They're both redheads, right? Oh, yeah. And so we literally cover them in it because if any sun exposure, and we kind of talked about this concern around sunscreen and getting the right sunscreens and so on. So they've inherited that from me because I've, I've always been very pale. But in the last five years, I've noticed that I've started to tan, right? And I don't, I don't wear sunscreen anymore. So I'll, I will sit in the shade or I'll, I'll go for a walk. And, but I've noticed Good I've man. started to tan in the last five years, right? And then the only thing that I can correlate it with, and you mentioned paleo earlier, is that I've gone from paleo to keto and then sometimes fully carnivore. And I'm kind of correlating it with that a little bit. And then I started kind of just Googling it and, and just asking the question. And there were several people that said, since they've gone keto, they stopped burning. Um, and then I heard uh, Dr. Paul Saladino talk about it. And he thinks it's because of the, the seed oils, like because eliminating seed oils and maybe even sugar could could be contributing to the burning what, what are your thoughts yeah i think it's fascinating in fact you know for me um despite working so much or while i work so much on my my company with blue light and circadian rhythms and sleep i am so excited to continue to dive deeper into the research on these things as i have been the last few years um and this is one subject i'd like to dive into more so my these are theories but one thing is something I, I learned from Dr. Jack Cruz, this neurosurgeon I mentioned earlier, who had opened my eyes literally and figuratively to the benefits of natural light and the risks of artificial lighting. So he also talks about the absolute importance of consuming DHA from, uh, you know, basically cold, fatty fish, cold water, fatty fish, like mackerel, mm. sardines, salmon, tuna, you know, tuna is higher in mercury. So you might want to limit that kind of large predator fish. If you're just, if you're concerned about mercury, you know, I've mm -hmm. made the mistake of consuming too much of that stuff and had a too high of a mercury level and detoxing that and so on. But, um, but yeah, you know, like sardines, they're low on the food chain. They don't accumulate almost any toxins uh, at all. You know, some people will say you should never eat any seafood because of plastics, but mm -hmm. the evidence also indicates, I'm glad you brought this up, that humans evolved from apes because of a consumption of DHA, uh, I should say DHA is the omega-3 from seafood. So because of a com consumption of aquatic food, which allowed our brain to become more complex, because again, DHA is this almost like magical uh, fatty acid molecule that unlike most fats, we, we don't break DHA down for energy. We actually use this as a structural component to help channel the movement of electricity in our body. And so uh, the main example of that is myelin, which is the, the sheathing around the nerves on our, in our brain and mm -hmm. our nervous system that allow the nerves to conduct, uh, potentials or energy electricity effectively, very efficiently. And so, you know, when a baby's born, its brain isn't myelinated, myelinated. That's why it's no smarter than a chimpanzee, but as it myelinates, it becomes a human. And the main building component of myelin is DHA. And so the point overall is that DHA, this essential omega-3 fatty acid is critical for proper brain function, but it doesn't just rest in our nervous system. It also rests in our cell membranes like our skin. And so mm -hmm. if you have more of this DHA, it's, it's, as long as it's not coming from a supplement, or a refined source where it's been extracted and potentially oxidized, as long as you're getting it from a whole seafood source, that's again, people always ask the question, should I supplement it or not? Pro probably not, unless you want to take a big risk of having the same issue as they have with seed oils. If you have that in your cell membranes, I believe that we can assimilate the light much, much more effectively. Um, if you eat, and you probably are familiar with this, it's the omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. If you have mm -hmm. way too much omega-6, um, of refined canola oil or seed oils or whatever. Yes, you'll burn. So just, you know, I, I'm, you actually look pretty tan. I could almost tell, and it's sometimes hard to tell through video, but, um, I am the light and I've got a terrible artificial light shining on my face right now. So gotta get you some glasses. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I look particularly tan, my hair is very, very golden and this is my natural color. It just starts tanning as it comes out of the roots, but like, mm -hmm. I've got a decent, quite a decent tan. I'm also Irish. You know, I said, I'm Italian in my last name paternally, but my genes all express Irish. So I'm super white and light as well. And the point is I used to be the one who burned. I told you, I used to wear sunscreen. I used to tell all my friends, you got to wear sunscreen or you're going to get skin cancer. But since I went paleo and stopped eating all the sugar, all the refined carbs, you know, I'll still have my little share of, of bad things here and there, but 95% of the time I'm eating a healthy uh, ancestral diet. 
And yeah, I started being able to tan too. Combining that, you know, I would attribute it mostly to the consumption of the, the heavy focus on seafood in particular, um, you know, lower toxin seafood mm-hmm. and consumption of chlor- uh, chlorine and fluoride free water. That's another thing. People are drinking their municipal tap water all day while they're eating a paleo diet. It's like our ancestors didn't drink fluoride and chloride and all the other chemical toxins that are present in municipal city tap water. It's absolutely disgusting. The stuff that's in tap water. And so that's something else that I uh, really think people should be aware of. I wasn't even going to get into the detail, uh, uh, you know, of, of the seafood and the cold water. Another thing people can do this. These are all different steps of what I call the light diet, the way mm-hmm. to properly assimilate light. We actually hit the first two. When you asked, what can people do? get up early. Uh, I should say the first one is sleep with the sun. So set up your evening properly, block blue light, avoid screens, just one to two hours, at least before bed. And then the second step is wake with the sun, expose yourself to natural sunlight in the morning. The third, we talked about too. expose yourself to the sunlight throughout the day, work on your deck, drink your coffee outside in the morning, sunbathe for 15 or 20 minutes or five or 10 minutes on each side. If you possibly can, that'd be really great every day. Um, especially in the summer when the sun's around, it's not around all the time, you know, so take it while it's here because we make vitamin D and we store it in our fat for the winter. Most people don't know that, but like, you've got to get it now because this is the time and we're only probably four days, five days from the strongest sun in the Northern hemisphere, first Mm -hmm. day of the summer. And then it's going to start retreating to the South again, heading back towards, you know, the Southern hemisphere. And they're going to hit their first day of winter starting, you know, in four days. So anyway, um, that's the third step of the light diet. The fourth is to drink unfluoridated clean water, like spring water. So you're not getting all those chemicals in your body because that's also going to affect the makeup of the water and the cells, which is the ultimate receptacle. One of the ultimate receptacles of all the light energy that our body takes. And you may have heard of like Gerald Pollock and the, the fourth phase of water, really fascinating research that the water in our cells isn't the same as water in a glass. It's actually highly structured and can carry energy. So when we get that light into our body, specifically the red and the infrared light, like an infrared sauna or red light panel, or even better, the sun, um, that helps structure the water in our cells so it can carry energy better and sort of just provide more energy for all of these reactions we talked about earlier. So that's step four. Uh, I should say, step yes, yeah, step four. Step five is to consume uh, a seasonal diet primarily based on seafood. So like, a, you know, ketogenic most of the year, especially in the winter, you can eat the fruit and the carbs for the one or two months it might've been available in nature, but otherwise it's really not something we would have had all year round. Most people really know that, or at least should mm-hmm. anyway. So those are, those are some of the general steps, you know, the next is taking, um, taking advantage of cold exposure. So basically taking ice baths like Wim Hof style that yeah. too, you know, there's a reason people love to go to a lake or a river or a beach in the summer. Cause when you get in that water, it's giving a huge benefit. Even if it's not very cold, it's cooling our skin relatively. You know, you'd be hard pressed to find lakes or oceans that are 95 degrees. They're usually at least like 80. I'm mm-hmm. talking Fahrenheit, you know, so they're mm-hmm. at least a little bit below our body temperature. So that allows the skin to assimilate that light better and cool off and dissipate the excess heat. Cause the thing that causes sunburn and ultimately could cause serious damage is the excess ultraviolet, but it's actually, it turns into infrared when it strikes our skin and it actually denatures proteins. And that's what causes that like longstanding burn that you have just as if you touched a hot pot, um, mm-hmm. it denatures the proteins in the surface. So that's step six is just take advantage of cold exposure step. And this is really all the magic step seven is actually to avoid non-native electromagnetic fields and mitigate the risk of that. So all the Wi-Fi, the Bluetooth, you know, there's a lot to that. The simplest thing to do is turn off your Wi-Fi while you sleep, use your phone on speakerphone, keep it on airplane mode when it's in your pockets. We could do a whole episode just about that subject. And many people are going to be super skeptical of that, understandably so, because they haven't read the research, the true research, not the stuff conducted by the telecom industry and paid for by the telecom industry and broadcasted by the mainstream media, which is all, by the way, owned by the telecom industry. You know, CNN in the United States is owned by AT&T, which is a primary carrier. Um, the New York Times is pri- the main, the primary owner is Carlos Slim, who's the mm-hmm. te- Mexican telecom billionaire yeah. of the New York Times. So it's like they own the media. There's no denying that. And so no media in the mainstream is ever going to report on the risks of, of wireless exposure. That's why 5G can go its way without any testing having been done, literally. Um, that's a fact um, on its safety. And so that's step seven. And step eight, my favorite, honestly, is cultivating our inner light. So like you could do all this stuff, and but if you're worrying all the time, 
and you're freaking out and you don't have something in your life that you love, you know, that really motivates you, then all that external light you're taking in through these mm -hmm. methods we've described isn't really going to help. Like if you're chronically stressed, there's actually data to show that stressed cells, whether it's psychological stress, physical stress, emotional stress, whatever you want to say, stressed cells leak more light than healthy cells, which retain the light better. Diseased cells leak more light than retain the light. It's a great textbook called Light Shaping Life, Biophotons and Biology and Medicine. So that's why from a physical science standpoint, I believe taking care of our soul, which is our inner light, um, and these concepts of Joe Dispenza, spirituality, you know, and so on, keeping our thoughts clean is like super critical. Cause again, you, you could do everything right externally, but if you're chronically leaking out the light you take in because you're worrying all the time and you're collapsing your energy field, as they so, might put so just it. On that, yeah. Matt, because, you know, we talked a lot about a lot of things that the, the first time people have heard this stuff and could be very concerned about it. So there's, there's one hand you're, you're talking about these real concerns that people will have. And the second you're saying, you know, look after your soul and be positive. And, and <laughs> how, how will people feel like find the balance between the two that, you know, I'm scared to drink a glass of this glass of water here. I, I don't even want to look at it anymore. Right. <laughs> and, you, you know, so how do you, how do we find that balance and, and cope with these fears, concerns, you know, you mentioned 5g, all these sort of things people will be fearful of. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. So, there's different philosophies on this. And again, I'm not an expert of how to psychologically manage, you know, I'm not Joe Dispenza, like how to cycle psychologically manage the knowledge that is making you aware of something that's a true risk. Um, if, if someone were to take all the stuff that we've spoken about here today and say, well, I'm just not going to be, um, I'm not going to have any fear at all, or I'm not going to have any, forget about fear. It doesn't have to be fear, but I'm not going to have any, um, it's not going to stimulate, like incite awareness and activity within me because I just don't want to have any, anything that even slightly resembles fear in my mind, then it would be sort of a waste that, that, you know, you took all this information. So like, there's a purpose of these emotions, you know, they can stimulate us to do better things. Like, for example, um, if I were, this is a great example. If I were, you know, saw a lion on the street, like I'm going to be afraid. It wouldn't be better if I said, Oh, I, don't, I shouldn't be afraid because that's going to increase my stress level. Like, no, you should be. So there's certain times when I think it's good to be, you know, obviously there's certain times when it's good to have stress hormones go up, right? Like no one would argue with that, but only for short intermittent bits of time. So I would say, let this be a short intermittent bit of stress. Like you've now learned that there's a lot of things that we're doing in the modern world today that are very antagonistic to our well-being and our proper biological functioning. Um, let it be, you know, it's going to be maybe a little longer than running from a lion, but, you know, let it be temporary, not permanent. Make the changes you can based on the new knowledge of, of oh my gosh, I'm now aware that, you know, putting myself into my head can cause brain cancer. And, and again, that's something we need to have more of a conversation about later on one day because most people will just dismiss that as woo woo. But more importantly, the stuff we did talk about the science about being exposed to blue light at night from devices and lights and stuff, use that motivation and new knowledge, buy yourself blue light protection glasses. Um, you know, and that almost sounds like, sounds like I'm just trying to sell, but really like that's, that's the takeaway there. Um, go outside more in the sun. I'll just tell anyone who, who's think might think that I'm just trying to sell my product, you know, here, um, what I'm hearing I, is that there's a clear purpose behind it. So I don't think anyone's exactly. offended by it. There's a it's, reason. And you genuinely, you can see you genuinely care. You've done the research. You know, um, the sun is the key. Blue light I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. But just to know, like, this getting sunlight is more important. It outweighs almost all of these other things. So to answer your question, to kind of close the answer off, I should say, is just let that knowledge be a stimulus to make decisions. Don't, like, if you're not going to do anything about it, then just don't do anything about it and don't worry about it. And accept, you know, I just don't want to change that. But if it keeps coming back up, if it keeps coming back up over and over and you're thinking about it six months down the road, it's like you should probably do something about that because that's not coming from you. That's coming from God, the universe, whatever you want to say, um, to stimulate you to make a better decision based on the knowledge that was planted hopefully here today. So I appreciate you asking such great questions. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd want to? No, no, I think it's been awesome. I mean, I'm scared to, if you ask another question, we'll start again and we'll be off for another oh, hour because I, I, <laughs> I could talk to you all day and listen to Likewise. Your, your content. So thank you so much. We've had some really good interaction as well on the live. So 
appreciate everybody that's that's tuned in and, and asked the questions. Um, Matt, uh, if people want to find out more about you and connect with you, where, where should we send them? Yeah, so the best place would be my Instagram is the light diet. Um, that's my personal Instagram. I've just sort of started to do a little more informational content there. And uh, the other place would be Raw Optics, my business. So we're going to be making a lot of really exciting changes over the next few months with our website. You know, mm -hmm. we're sort of leveling up from like a sort of experimental startup, you could say, in the niche health world to something that's going to go way, way beyond that. So we're going to have um, some really great, you know, advancements in in uh, our products just kind of ongoing throughout the next several years, uh, you know, upgraded website, all that stuff. So people can check out rawoptics.com. That's raoptics.com. Mm -hmm. And raw, actually, just just so people know, the reason it's it's RA or it's, it's actually raw is that's mm -hmm. the Egyptian, um, you know, mythological god of medicine, healing, and sunlight in particular, and was the chief god of all of them. And so it's very uh, analogous. And our logo people will see is the eye of Horus or the eye of Ra, actually, which is this figure that a lot of people recognize. A lot of people get the tattoo. It looks like an eye, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, it actually is a cross-section of the pineal gland. If you were to cut the pineal gland and in, in the brain and uh, mummification, for example, they actually knew that that's what the pineal gland looked like. Uh, mm -hmm. They knew that that is the seed of the soul, as some people say, or the third eye. And it also produces melatonin, which again, if you follow Joe Dispenza, for example, you know, is one of the first chemicals in the pathway of elevating our consciousness, you know, it goes all the way up to DMT and so on. But um, that is, uh, that is really, it's a very powerful uh, symbol. And that's why it's our logo as well. So that's the uh, that's the backstory there. So people can check us out rawoptics.com and our Instagram's at raw underscore optics. That's just yeah. R A no W. And the, and the personal one is the light diet, right? The light diet. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Instagram. Right. And we'll I'll put actually, this in I'll have, as well. Awesome. I'll have a podcast coming out too, probably within the next two to three months, where I'll be uh, definitely within the next two to three months, uh, where I'll be interviewing you know experts specifically in the science world on these subjects to further break it down for people. It'll be really fun because I'm just learning right. a ton as I go through the process too, you know. Yeah. Still a yeah. ton that I it's have. a great thing about podcasts. You just learn so much oh, from the guests. So. Yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be great. It's like my excuse to talk to cool people. That's what a lot yeah. of people tell yeah. me. But yeah, yeah, likewise. Likewise. Cool. Um, Matt, thanks so much. Thank you, yeah. Andrew. I really yeah. appreciate and, uh, it. I look forward to speaking to again. Oh, it's been a huge pleasure. All right. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Scale Without Burnout podcast. For more free resources and content on how to grow and lead your business and become the best version of yourself, head over to andrewsilito.com.